Multimodal Transportation Commission meeting and Happy New Year. Uh, my name is Dave Cronin, City Engineer, and I'm here with um, Christina Gherkin, who's um, going to help uh, work alongside Pat Collette, the chair, to facilitate tonight's meeting proceedings. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast live on the city's YouTube channel and public access cable channel 25. During the meeting, when you are not participating, please mute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon found on the lower left-hand side of the Zoom menu next to the video icon. When you are muted, a red line will appear over the icon. Muting your microphone during the meeting will make it easier for everyone to hear. You'll just have to remember to unmute if and when you want to speak. In some cases, we may mute or unmute people as needed to minimize distractions during the meeting. Please remember to state your name and title for the benefit of those listening remotely. You can turn your video on and off by clicking on the video icon on the menu. For the purposes of this public meeting, please keep your video on when you are participating in the meeting. When you are not participating, it is okay to turn your video off. Just remember to turn your video back on when you are participating. If you are participating by phone, you can click star six to unmute your phone. For those using Zoom somewhere on your screen, you will see a choice to toggle between speaker and gallery view. Speaker view shows the active speaker. Gallery view tiles all the meeting participants. Individuals who registered in advance to provide public comments remotely will be called upon by name. When you are called on, please unmute your listening device and state your name before speaking. The chair will then call for in-person public comment for those who are physically present. Staff will direct them to the podium to speak while following social distancing and safety protocols. All motions will need to be stated clearly. After a motion is made and seconded, staff will call on each member individually to provide their vote. Mm -hmm. Staff will then need to announce whether the motion carried and the count of the vote. And um, to get started, we'll have uh, Christina do the roll call. Okay, Nick Kuzmiak. Here. Damon Baltuska. Aaron Hayden. Patricia Collette. Here. Charlie Bryant. And Gregory Critchlow. All right. Well, we um, will go ahead and let Pat, uh, Chairperson Pat Collette, uh, kick off the meeting. Okay. Thanks, Dave. Happy New Year, everyone. This is uh, uh, Chairperson Pat Collette and um, we have um, uh, we have a study session um, today on uh, receiving the memo on green colored pavement marking design. Um, and we'll meet from uh, five to six uh, for that, and then our regular meeting at at six fifteen. So um, I'd like to kick um, kick off the uh, uh, the study session. All right. Thanks. This is Dave Cronin, City Engineer. So attached to the study session, I provided um, a memo um, that uh, summarizes um, what we've looked at for uh, the green colored pavement marking project that was a, was a citizen request in the 2021 budget. Um, the city in, uh, engaged uh, Alta uh, Planning and Design to do a review of um, you know the applicability of green P 
pavement marking for shared use paths um, as as was laid out in the project. And um, we've got Tobin Bunnell here from Alta um, who helped uh, uh, do, do this review for us. And we've attached uh, the memo of the review to this uh, study session item. And um, I think I'll go ahead and turn it over to Tobin to kind of give a brief uh, summary of the review that he did. And then we'll, um, I'll provide a, a recommendation for uh, proceeding with uh, these, these funds. So um, with that, Tobin, do you wanna go ahead and uh, provide a summary? Yeah, I can give a real quick um, synopsis and and we can open it up for questions. And if I need to, we can kind of share screens and um, and go from there. Um, but if you have the document in front of you, I mean, we go into uh, basically some case studies of where um, green uh, pavement markings have been used in in shared use paths, which was based on the request um from the citizen request um so and it has been done probably fairly close to if i couldn't excuse me yeah, um, go ahead Dobin. okay um and it has it has been implemented in certain locations but um the long and short of it is it has been implemented um, but it has not been implemented um in, in any uniform manner um in any of these examples that i've that we found um and there is not there hasn't been consistent data taken to prove that they're safer one way or another over let's say a just a regular white continental uh crosswalk at the same type of shared use path um we also in the document um around the seventh page of the document go into the future guidance um, of the MUTCD, which is really the guiding document of pavement markings um, nationally, um, how the language is now. It there is the the, the language has um, some interpretation to it, which has led to some of the implementations that we've seen across the country. Um, but it sounds like the future, the future uh, language that is being considered for future versions of the METCD is going to be a lot more specific, and it's pretty probably going to preclude um, these type of treatments um, explicitly, where we're doing, where we're showing, where we're putting green pavement markings um, within shared use paths, and we lay that out and then we're, we're kind of concluding that, um, you know, the green pavement markings have a important use for safety in, in bike crossings, um, but they need to be, to be specific to where they're gonna be um, denoted as bike crossings and um, as such. So um, our basic recommendation was to not have the green pavement markings within shared use path crossings, um, but, you know, there's could be some uh, applications where green pavement markings could be uh, applied and within the city and shared use path crossings should be, you know, there's other safety measures that can be taken um, to make sure there everything's visible. 
supposed to be. So that's the that's the long and short of it. Um, I, I guess David, I could we, I could go into a little bit more specificity, but that's where we were getting to with it, basically with it. Yep, Dave Cronus, the engineer. Thanks, Tobin. I guess I would I would um, um, say that we appreciate the review on this, and also we see the need to uh, improve safety for bike ped crossings here and in Lawrence. And and um, you know, with having this project in the CIP, we have the ability to roll the project over and reallocate the funds to making those improvements. And so. Um, you know, we we still see the. Um, we've heard a lot from uh, the multimodal transportation commission in the last year or so on looking at ways to improve uh, crossings. And what we'd like to do is to engage Alta a little further to kind of revise the scope of work to to provide some recommendations for um, pavement marking. It, um, not just specific to shared use paths, but other um, other crossings for for pedestrians. And um, currently, uh, for crosswalks, we don't have a policy. We have, uh, by practice, we have marked crosswalks at signalized intersections, at roundabouts, um, in the downtown area, and um, uh, for safe routes to school uh crossings and so i know we've we uh staff gets uh requests occasionally from from the public to mark crosswalks um a crosswalk doesn't necessarily uh, isn't required to be marked to be designated a crosswalk but uh, we don't have a policy to say well we're going to mark this crosswalk and not mark not mark that one so you know every every uh, intersection the, that has sidewalks you know you, you could have uh, you know four four crosswalks and so we've got uh, thousands of intersect you know thousands of uh, possible crosswalks uh, that could be marked um, and so we want to try to create a, a policy on you know where to where we should be marking uh, crosswalks um, in addition to um, shared use path crossings um, as well, which are kind of considered uh, crosswalks for uh, for intersection crossings. So um, so overall, we'd like to kind of do a little more work in creating a policy for pavement markings. Um, also uh, look at um, creating more uh, clear guidelines on retrofitting bike facilities. So our bikeway plan has given us some um, general guidance based off of uh, speed and volume um, for uh, putting in bike facilities. We've had some conversations recently on, um, you know, whether or not to use a, a conventional bike lane versus a buffered bike lane. And so we're, um, I think there could be some um, guidelines that we could kind of drill into to help uh, maybe guide us a little more on making our recommendations for uh, retrofitting bike facilities. Um, and, and also we've had some uh, conversations previously on improving uncontrolled crossings. Um, we've 
by practice have been kind of following uh, the FHWA step guidelines on um, uh, uncontrolled crossing improvements and use, we've been using some RRFBs and curb bump outs and, um, and hawk signals. And so I think there's an opportunity to kind of do some work to create some more specific guidelines on that that we can adopt and use. Um, and also um, looking at our design criteria and providing some recommendations on guidelines for crossings at controlled intersections, signalized intersections. And so um, we're, we're kind of taking uh, our recommend, the staff recommendation overall is to take this project and the monies to kind of do some of that work that we've talked about a little to make uh, <clears throat> crossing improvements and create uh, policy and guidelines that uh, that we can follow to make recommendations and have a more comprehensive uh, project. And so um, our our recommendation would be to to do that and to do some of that work and then to use the remaining funds uh, for this for this project to go out and make built improvements and to implement uh, markings and, and crossing improvements. And so um, overall, that's kind of the summary of, of this of this project. So again, um, we're you know, tonight just wanted to get provide this background info on um, the review that we've done uh, specific to the CIP project request and then um, um, make a recommendation to move forward to um, establish some more clear guidelines and policies for crossing improvements. <clears throat> so with that, I'll, I would uh, just open it up to uh, any questions or comments from any of the commissioners. This is Pat Collette, chair of MMTC. Are there are there questions or comments from other commissioners? I have a, have a, a few here, but I want to open it up first. Okay, well, I'll start. Um, so Tobin on the, you know, we're, we're talking about shared use paths, um, paths and, and your review of, of the, uh, you know, the various treatments and some of the cities that have tried it. But I wonder if, you know, in some of the reading that I've done, there is a, dis although we don't typically make the distinction, there's a distinction between shared use paths and side paths. Um, you know, what I understand is that the side path is typically close to the intersection and shared use paths are more mid-block often, but we, you know, we don't distinguish that typically in our in our language. So I wonder if that has, you know, in, in your review, if that has any bearing on the different treatments and how, you know, how that uh, might be might be implemented or how, how that might influence uh, policy development um, that that does not that's that's getting that's kind of picking apart the language a little bit too much it, um, the examples that I pulled um, they cover really both they cover both shared uh, mid block what I'll call a mid block and um, those that are at 
um, four way intersections. So there were, but with both of them being um, shared use um, being the key, whether they were a side path or a mid block um, wasn't really the distinction that we were talking about is whether it was a, a shared use or not. So. I guess the point of that question is that, you know, some of the complaints about the about the shared use paths at the intersections have been, um, you know, kind of the speed at which vehicles come around the corner, um, you know, and even though there's, you know, in signalized intersections, there are, you know, uh, the white crosshatch um, uh, crosswalks, you know, that doesn't tend to slow vehicles down very much as they're making a right turn on red often without much of a stop and you know that and not 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 being visible so I guess I see the you know the question of safety at at an intersection a little bit different than say mid block it, I mean it's still still important but but the design of the intersection um, would seem to have some impact on you know what would be a an appropriate treatment. Yeah, and we're uh, I guess with the scope with the scope that we're laid um, the forthcoming scope that we're um, David discussed um, that that last item that he discussed was design um, design recommendations or design guidelines for controlled intersections that would go beyond that would be in line with um, industry standard. For instance, we have things called leading pedestrian intervals where the pedestrians allowed to go um, three seconds ahead of the uh, the green for the vehicular. So the signals are allowed to uh, provide some safety aspect. There's also some protected intersection designs elements that can be that could be incorporated some geometric elements to intersections that could be considered that are more in line with industry standard rather than just um, and, and also um, design, design elements that could separate those paths more. And, they, uh, and um, an example we provided in our memo was a, a shared use path, but it but it had distinction between where the bikes were traveling and where the where the peds were traveling. And we you can mark that green um, in the future MUTCD diagram. Um, so there's design elements that we can in, include in those those. Um, future guidelines for consideration at intersections that could that could feed into that. Um, but I, I yeah, I do understand where you're going with the question, but I just don't we I mean to say that marking it green or coming up with some green treatment at, on for that side path when an intersection within an intersection provides safety a safety benefit. The industry is just not we're, we're, we don't have the proof to say that um, right now, so it's that's kind of where we're. That's kind of where that lands, I suppose. Thank you. Uh, this is Pat Collette, MMTC chair. Um, you know, you mentioned the case studies and that the data is not there. Do you know if, you know, if there's any kind of effort in terms of data collection on those types of applications so that um, you know, that that can be proven or at least discussed one way or another and with with some some data. 
I a lot of a lot of the yeah a lot of the avenues we were going down were were saying they were not collecting that data um, like locally here on where I'm in St. Louis so locally here they were not collecting that data for the example that we provided. Um, I had been on, I had been made to understand that Baltimore or uh, yeah Baltimore is collecting data on theirs but we weren't we didn't get any feedback on what that is um, so. Um, yeah, there's okay. not, it's not an ongoing process from what I understand. It may not be an ongoing effort given that the future METCD may be precluding um, those efforts. So, okay. Uh, comments or questions from other commissioners? Who's Mac MMTC? I think I'll jump in at this point. All right, so let's see. I was able to read over all the stuff beforehand, and I, I got a decent amount of questions here. So if we run out of time, feel free to cut me off, I guess. But I guess my first question is more from a process standpoint. This seems like it should have been an agenda item, not a study session, because we're we're actively going to be giving feedback on something that is budget related and CIP related. And that to me kind of says general agenda. So I guess what was the thinking for putting this in a study session instead? Uh, Dave Cronin, city engineer. Um, we're not. We were not looking for a, an, a recommendation under the action item. So it was. It was a study session item because we're uh, receiving the this memo on on green pavement marking and and kind of having a discussion on it um, and getting and having a discussion to. You know, because I know a lot of commissioners have brought up uh, questions on design criteria and and the applicable applicability of it uh, on projects and crossings. And so I wanted to get, you know, lay out the scope. I've listened to those questions and concerns and kind of uh, put worked with Alta and Tobin to put together the scope of work and to get to get feedback on it to make sure we're all on the same page. So um, that's why we put it as the study session. Understood. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm not. I guess I'm not sure I fully agree because we have had general agenda items that have been regarding consultants and receiving what the progress has been on a certain item and then giving feedback for how things are going to proceed in the future. Um, I feel like it still could have been a general agenda, but it, it, it is what it is. As long as we still get a discussion, and I certainly appreciate you following up on those points that we brought up in the past, as well as the other things that are in their scope. I saw that, that we're also going to be looking at um, bike lanes during street maintenance and uncontrolled and controlled crossings. So I certainly do appreciate the the uh, follow up there. I had a, another sort of process question here. Was this a competitive RFP? Is this an on-call service? This thing, I'm just kind of curious how the how the scope of this came about, um, and I guess kind of surprised that we're first seeing it this way. Dave Cronin, city engineer. This the city um, has several consultants that we use for bike pet on call projects, and so we used one of them, Alta, to do this work. Is there? Uh, I think they're. Uh, in my opinion, subject matter experts in this area and thought they would be best fit to to do this work. Thanks. I do agree with that. 
I just wanted to make sure that was my suspicion that it was an on-call related thing. It just, it, I feel like it's it's good for us to kind of know in the future how these might come about. Okay, um, what else? Let's see. I was gonna say, sorry guys, I have a whole bunch of rules here. All right, so the general gist of the memo that I could tell is that the FHWA prohibits the use of green pavement markings at intersections for anything that is not just a bike path. So that includes um, shared use paths. I forget if it includes bike lanes or not, but there was something else that was kind of bike related that is not allowed for green pavement markings. But just to make sure I'm clear on what that means, it's only for federally funded projects, right? That doesn't preclude use of green pavement markings on non-federally funded projects. Is that correct? Uh, this is Dave Cronin, City Engineer. Well, whether it's federally funded or non-federally funded, we uh, follow the MUTCD and design guidance on projects. And um, since there's there is no guidance or uh, it is not recognized in the MUTCD for crossings or shared use path crossings or other documents, um, whether it's federally funded or not, um, we engineers that approve public improvement plans are responsible for the recommendations and the improvements in the plans. And so um, I wouldn't treat it any differently, whether it was a federally funded project or a non-federally funded project, if it was within the city, there are different requirements that we have to do with federal funds but typically design standards, design isn't, you know, isn't one of them. We, I'm sorry, I'm just, uh, go ahead. Tobin Bonnell at Alta, and we had kind of going out, gone into this, assuming that, or uh, thinking that our understanding was, that was the FHWA had to give on a federally funded project, they had to give um, experimental approval to a treatment like this um, for it to get approved. And we did we did find an example down in Georgia where it was it's on a state route, but we did not find an experimental number assigned to the project necessarily, which was a bit surprising. Um, but we didn't get a whole lot of feedback on what on what data is being on what data is being kept on that project um, or anything to that effect. Um, we we did we have found that they were they have not run afoul of the of the FHWA by in doing that. Um, I just don't again back to our point. I don't think that they have found that there was any significant benefit to providing that those treatments over over the typical treatment. Sorry, I keep accidentally beating myself. So there's kind of two points that I want to continue here. The first one is that there isn't any indication that there is a potential benefit. Um, based on the case studies that you showed, I would agree with that. But I'm looking at the NACTO website right now, and it has a whole bunch of benefits that it lists that are um, they cite certain studies like New York City Department of Transportation, City of Long Beach, uh, looks like Oregon DOT has um, done this as well. So it looks like NACTO has actually collected the research showing that there are some um, 
measurable benefits to green pavement. Admittedly, some of these are pretty old. Some of these are from 2000, so, eh, right? But um, I think it it's one of those things where it would be good to really know what the benefit is before we, you know, either invest money in it or say no to green pavement parkings altogether. So um, I think at this point, I would be curious to hear kind of what Sustainability Action Network has to say about this. So we'll get to that later, I think, during public comment. But the other thread I wanted to pick up was the idea that that we have to follow MUTCD for everything in the city. And I realize that we definitely have to for any federally funded projects because that's their guidelines. But I mean, there's our design standards that um, are currently approved by the city also reference NACTO. And NACTO has quite a bit of design guidance that go on green pavement markings that does seem to deviate from what MUTCD says. So um, since there are other design standards that we have that are kind of developed by the city, such as the minimum curb to curb width on a collector street, stuff like that, that's not necessarily an MUTCD. Dave, could you maybe comment on what the leeway is for deviating directly from MUTCD and why we, it seems that we can do that on some things, but maybe not on this green pavement marking. Dave Crown City Engineer, well, I'd like to first address your first uh, point, Commissioner, on green pavement marking. So we're not, we're not saying we should not use green pavement markings at all. We're saying we should not, uh, we don't see the benefit in using them for shared use path crossings or side path crossings. Um, we've used green pavement markings uh, on Mass Street for the bike lane crossings. Believe that um, you know, and in NACTO, there is um, guidance for green pavement markings, and so um, we're, we're not saying not to not to use green pavement markings at all. So I want to make that really clear, and that it's um, more you know we've we've reviewed the specific project for shared use path side path crossings, right? Um, in regards to the MUTCD, that's the Manual and Uniform Traffic Control Devices, which is uh, a device, a, a document that's um, published and used for uh, engineering guidance on um, all sorts of traffic control related things. There's a chapter on uh, markings, pavement markings, and so in that there there are there are shalls, there are shoulds, and and mays. So if it's shall, then we uh, are required to, to to follow that. If it's should, it's strongly recommended. Um, and so you would want to have a reason not to do it, uh, justification not to do it. I think when when we uh, review things that say should here at the city, we generally follow that guidance. And then May is uh, open to interpretation or engineering judgment. And so that's how we uh, use the MUTCD for pavement markings. But just to be clear, MUTCD only legally applies for federally funded projects, right? For everything else, it's sort of like the International Building Code in that it's there if you want to comply with it. But unless there's a project that directly requires that for doing the project, you're technically able to adopt your own standards, which is why we have city design standards, right? This is Dave Crunstein, engineer. The MUTCD does not apply just to federally funded projects. It applies to all projects in public right away. Okay. I think that was the point of understanding I wasn't quite 
getting. It's, it's, it seemed like it was one of those things where, you know, you have to follow it where the government gets involved, but where a municipality, you know, can set their own standards, there is some leeway. So, okay, I understand. So in that case, just to kind of recap this discussion, because FHWA says in the MUTCD that it is recommended or you can use green pavement markings for specifically bike paths, Sweet, don't get to go on that one. But since it it explicitly prohibits the use of green pavement markings on shared use path crossings, then we're not feeling comfortable going against that prohibition. Is that do, do I understand that correctly? Or have I missed something? Sorry. Uh, Dave Crone, the engineer, I would ask you to repeat that question, so I'm sure that yeah. I can respond. I'll do my best, and I'm not really sure I have it fully down yet, but I'm hoping we can get there because I have a feeling I may not be the only one who's not quite understanding it. So, in the MUTCD, which that we've now established covers all roads in the public or all projects in the public uh, right of way, um, they do allow. It's more of a sh um, a should than a shall. They do allow green pavement markings on bike lane and bike path crossings. Is that part correct? Correct. Okay. But the second part is that they prohibit green pavement markings on shared use paths because it's not exclusively bike. Is that correct? Or is there a little bit of leeway there? Because other cities have done this. So and not all of them were a pilot program. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to see how, how shant is it exactly? Tobin, do you want to take this? Yeah, the, the language right now is not that explicit. It's not totally explicit, um, but we, we have with the future guidance that they put out in December 2020 on um, that last part of our report um, we're detailing. Um, they're getting that language to be more explicit to where, yeah, it's going to be you shall not. Um, and to back up what Dave was saying about the METCD, it's, 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 there's liability concerns. An engineer could go against the METCD, but they would want to have the data and some engineering backup um, just in case something bad happened. It's kind of a backup document for engineering decisions. So then for these cities that have done these pilot projects on shared use paths, have all of them received this um, kind of provisional acceptance or is that just St. Louis? I guess, how did they get away with it is what I'm asking. Well, it's to agree there's engineering judgment because the MUTCD wasn't getting completely explicit. And then you had that backup, that backup with the NACTO document that was kind of being even less explicit. And just um, so there were, there's some engineering judgment that was applied. Um, there was it though the city of Baltimore did produce a document, but even that document was had uh, the language was a bit wasn't as explicit as I would want it to be. So, okay, well, guys, I certainly appreciate you kind of educating me on exactly what's going on because as a non traffic engineer, I'm an engineer, but not that kind. Um, I'm still kind of learning exactly what governs and exactly what we can kind of get away with. What's what's uh, flexible, what is very inflexible. So it sounds like then that it's currently not explicit that you can't do green pavement markings on SUPs, but it is definitely going in, in that direction. Um, and that's something I can sympathize with. So, okay, that makes sense. Thank you for that. Um, I'll back off for a bit so somebody else can jump in with a comment. So I've been monopolizing for a while. Thank you all. Thank you. Are the commissioners. 
any other comments? I, I guess I'll put a put another one in. This is Pat Collette, Chair MMTC, and kind of referring to the um, the recommendation on the change of scope on the CIP. Um, and it looked like when I read that, I have to go back and read it a little more carefully, I guess. But um, it, it sounded like the idea was reallocating funds to to do this study and develop. Uh, design guidelines and policies, uh, and then to also be able to proceed with, um, you know, with additional markings out of um, out of those funds. So the question I have is uh, a couple of them. One is um, generally how you know how much money would be left to actually do, um, you know, the the strike you know the painting on on the recommended projects and then the second is you know and i didn't pull up the original list of of projects that was in that original cip but um i think some of those are bike lanes um you know or bike facilities and would you anticipate going ahead with green pavement using those funds basically at the same time that we're uh, doing the study for the for the policy development, and I guess that's directed to Dave. Yeah, Dave Cronin, city engineer. Um, so the the project in the the current project the allocation is three hundred and eighty two thousand dollars. I would uh, the majority of that will be spent on implementation of improvements. Um, we haven't finalized a final scope and fee with Alta, but it will be um, under fifty thousand dollars for for the the scope of uh, policy and guidance work. And so, I would say eighty to ninety percent of the funds would be spent on built improvements, whether it's green pavement marking or white pavement marking. If we decide we want to uh, start marking shared use path crossings with white pavement marking that we could do a lot. We could do a lot of a lot of work and make a lot of improvements with that money. Mm -hmm. And I think the white pavement marking will get we will get, you know, as we've seen, we haven't seen a there hasn't been any studies that said there's a discernible increase in safety with green versus white side path crossings. We will, um, you know, the white pavement marking is usually a little, it's less expensive and easier to put down and we can make uh, a lot, you know, address a lot more crossings with with white. Or we can also look at improving uh, markings for uh, bike lanes at intersections or crossings with, with green pavement marking. So it could be a combination of um, both really and i think that's going to be part of the part of the challenge overall is you know to kind of look at um the criteria and develop a policy and then to see what the overall need is in the city how you know how if we follow the policy what the overall cost is to implement it and to maintain it and so that's that's the other challenge and i can tell you that we've we have been strained with our uh, budget for pavement markings and just keeping up with uh, all of our pavement markings, crosswalks, uh, long lines, uh, lane markings. And so I think we 
uh, have a ways to go in that area too. So I think, um, you know, overall it's part of our, you know, part of our asset management plan is to, to uh, put out uh, improvements and, and maintain them. So there's a lot, there's a lot of work there. Yeah, I think, you know, from my perspective, you know, we've been talking all year about getting these policies developed, you know, to help those decisions and, you know, to to be able to have some resources that get that um, for us and that we can move forward. Um, you know, I, I'm really supportive of that, but um, I think, Nick, I, I saw you had your hand, hand raised. Yeah. Uh Thank you, Zmiak. MMTC. I just wanted to, um, to um, bring that up with Dave before we get too far off the topic. So, Dave, you mentioned that um, we've been constrained on the budget for um, paper markings, lane striping, all that jazz for a, a while now. And um, I guess what I was just curious about, I don't know if you've kind of alluded to this already or not, but you know, regardless of how we deal with green pavement markings or any kind of upgrades to crossings in the first place, what's the plan for making sure they stay maintained? Is there going to be a, I mean, is this 382,000 set up kind of like a trust fund where we spend some on CapEx and some on OpEx in the future? Or are we just going to hope that city commission can allocate some um, more funds to the, um, I guess, striping and maintenance budget? To make sure that the green stays because it sounds like it fades almost quicker than the white pavement so um i guess i'm just have a, a few concerns over the, the longevity of whatever plans we decide on yes this is dave Crunch, the engineer um i i have the same concerns we want to be able to maintain anything that we put out there um and and so that's you know if we're going to be establishing new crosswalk markings we need to uh fund appropriate dollars in our in our maintenance budget to maintain those and determine the life cycle cost and how many years we get out of the markings and how often they need to be to be uh re refreshed uh so yeah that's something we need to be thinking about as we move forward with this is that going to be under the scope of what Alta's doing um it sounds like there's going to be a whole bunch of recommendations um not just for you know where and if we can use green pivot markings but what the alternative to that might look like to highlight safety crossings which i'm really glad to see is in there it's i feel like this is not a no it's sort of a no but which is you know good enough right so in that case um tobin for the rest of your scope is it i guess is there an inclusion for uh i guess how to deal with long-term concerns here um, yeah, we'll have, I guess we'll have material. We can give you some material recommendations as far as that goes. Um, but yeah, the, and, but there's always going to be cost considerations. Like if you go with green uh, MMA, it does, we have found that it lasts, it has pretty good longevity, but it's ex pretty expensive. Um, so we can go down that. I mean, yeah, we're, we're 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 and we're keeping all these things within the document to policy recommendations um, for consideration of the city. So we can give some material recommendations within the policy recommendations as well. Sounds good. Thanks for the explanation. Okay, I I'd like to um, unless there. Are, Additional comments from commissioners. I'd like to open it up to a 
public comment. Is there any uh, public comment uh, here online? Uh, yes, Michael, Michael Amon. Hi, thank you, Chair Colette. This is Michael Allman with Sustainability Action Network. Uh, first off, I appreciate Commissioner Kuzmiak's uh, questions and concerns, but I would like to express my own concern and request that this item be deferred until the next meeting. For the second month in a row, city engineer has blocked off our comments from sustainability action on this item. There's a nine page document that was submitted within the deadline this morning at 16 minutes to noon, and it is not in your packet. Our whole position is expressed in that, and I'm not prepared to defend it to any detail within three minutes if you haven't had a chance to read it. This is Dave Crone, city engineer. The uh, Mr. Alm, I shared the document with all of the commissioners and attached it to the agenda at around I, two o'clock today. Well, I received no email notification from the city that the agenda was updated. I've opened that agenda a number of times. I've refreshed my browser. It's not on the agenda. This is, this is Pat Collette, Chair of MMTC. I, um, Michael, I did receive an email with that notification that your, um, um, you know, that, that memo was there and read it. And uh, um, I see uh, Nick's looking at the agenda on, I, online and he's seeing it there. So I don't know if if there's an issue with how how it's showing up I, I i don't know how to how to answer that but but we as commissioners did get it and it is it is on the agenda well okay i apologize if that's the case i don't understand why i didn't get notification and why it doesn't show up on the agenda that i look at like i say i've refreshed it i've shut off the computer and rebooted nothing shows up on the agenda. Um, be that as it may, I, I apologize if something technically has gone wrong. I don't know what to make of that. Um, if you would, I, and hopefully maybe you have been able to read it in some detail, I would like to take my three minutes to go over some of the items. Sure, go ahead. Okay, well, sorry for that um, delay. Um, I guess I'm not really sure what the question I would ask of whether we would want to have green pavement markings for shared use paths or not is why not? I mean, if Federal Highway and NACTO and Mutkud and any number of uh, guides show all the benefits 
of visibility, of predictability, of uh, user placement and movement. Uh, like Commissioner Kuzmiak pointed out, there's many benefits there. The main being visibility, which is also cited in the Lawrence Bikes Plan. Um, improving on the expectation of drivers that there may be bicyclists approaching and bicyclists approach sometimes at 20, 25 miles an hour. Um, there are definitely benefits. So my question would first of all be why not? Um, if there's a problem with federal funding on a project, I would think an easy workaround would be you get the project funded, you get it built, and then you issue an RFP for a pavement marking contract separate from the construction contract. It's, it's not rocket science. We can do this. There's many benefits. You have a lot of leeway. The city commission already has signed on to $382,000 and all the projects at 151 locations in the proposal that we came up with two years ago are shared use paths and the city commission wants to do them there. I would venture that having funded that and having wanted that project done, the city commission may consider the city engineer's refusal to do the project in 2021 when it was scheduled is possibly insubordination. I won't legally you know, say one way or the other, but it sure is odd to me when the city commission has instructed staff to build this. Um, the, city, the city commission will need to be convinced that, that we wanna have a policy here instead of their green pavement markings. And if the Multimodal Transportation Commission endorses uh, this switcheroo by the city engineer, um, it, they're, they're gonna need to be convinced and having your endorsement is what the city engineer needs to make them change their mind. That's what's going on here. Um, I would suggest that if, if we, want to come up with a policy and, and I've been pushing for a policy in this for a long time that we do that, but it's not in, in, uh, in lieu of building the project that the city commissioner, city commissioners funded for 2021. Um, there, I mean, there, there's, um, Good reason, oh, I, I know the, um, the city engineer basically told me that he wants to do green pavement markings, which you heard him say, but he doesn't wanna do them in shared use paths because as I wrote in my comments, they are not bikeways. That's in spite of the fact that bicycles use them and bicycles are intended to use a shared use path shared. Uh, and he said, so therefore green pavement markings are not appropriate for SUPs because they're not a bikeway. Well, that's really splitting hairs. And irregardless, we know the benefits for any kind of bikeway crossing, which I consider a shared use path, logically a bikeway. 
We know the benefits. There's no reason not to do it. Um, even if Muktad gets their their wording changed to make it more explicit, uh, Federal Highway has said right now it's an interim interpretation from 2008. Um, we have the ability to do it right now. We could put those pavement markings in right now, legally without any repercussions. Um, so that's why we recommend that you not endorse the city engineer trying to do an end run around the city commission's instructions to install those pavement markings. Yes, go ahead with you know, coming up with a policy. We'd like to see that, but not to preclude putting in those green pavement markings. So that's enough to say for right now. And I, I appreciate your patience with uh, my, I guess my browser. I don't know what it was. So thanks. Oh, I, I'm sorry, one more thing. NACTO was written primarily, the primary author is Alta Planning. And if you saw in your document, they Alta Planning proposed green pavement markings at the shared use path on 19th Street where it crosses Osdall. Remember the Bicycle Boulevard project? That project. Alta Planning proposed that it's in your document, it's in your packet. It wasn't installed because of funding cuts, but Alta Planning with the NACTO guide is in favor of this in, in that number of ways. So thank you anyway, that's enough, thank you. Thank you, Michael. Any other public comment? online or uh, David, is there anyone, um, anyone there in person? This is Dave Cronin, the engineer. Uh, no, there is no one here in person. Any uh, last comments from commissioners? Uh, this is Commissioner Bryan. Uh, I have some comments I'd like to share now that we've had the public comments. <clears throat> I think that the direction that staff wants to go with this seems important to me. I mean, we've talked about the need to prioritize intersection safety or crossing safety. Um, you know, that comes up all the time for us. And so it feels like this is a step in the direction of trying to improve our policies around uh, crossing safety. I am a little concerned about the um, way that we've gotten there, but nonetheless, I think with the outcome that I, that I assume is gonna come from this, it will contribute to the betterment of our work, I believe. Um, I would <clears throat> be curious if the crossing safety, uh, if the scope of this is gonna be limited primarily to um, pavement markings, or if it could be thought of more expansively to consider crossing safety. And that might include things such as raised crossings and other methods of improving the uh, safety for people that are crossing our streets. Um, I think what's maybe missing and this just might not be the 
uh, within the scope it might be more appropriate for staff to develop this. Uh, there was discussion earlier about the unfunded um, needs around pavement markings, and yet there's not anything in the scope that would help us to define some prioritization scheme for how we might um, think about allocating funds um, such as to shared use paths or safe routes to school crossings or crossings on arterial streets, et cetera. So I think that's just a noticeable omission, perhaps intentional, um, maybe not. Um, maybe there's some way that <clears throat> the consultant could at least provide some considerations for how prioritization might be done. And then in that same section, there could be some consideration for ongoing maintenance costs um, to kind of address uh, a concern that was brought up earlier. Um, I think that covers it. I, I would like to know, um, I think what's missing in the discussion is, you know, how long is this going to take and what would be the use of the funds that were that were set aside for this um, green crossing or green pavement marking project? Now, it sounds like they're just going to be on hold for some unknown period of time. Maybe is that going to be within, within this year or is it 2023? That'd just be helpful to know that. And <clears throat> that's all I that's all I had really. Okay. Those are my comments. Yeah, Dave Crown's the engineer to answer the question on timeline. We would expect that to occur in this year, 2022, to develop criteria and policy and then to put together a project or projects for implementation. So Dave, are you expecting then that we would we would see at some point later this year? a list of projects to expend whatever remaining funds there are? Dave Crones, the engineer, yes, I do. And um, okay. in the scope, um, I guess to hop back to your other question, Commissioner Bryan, um, we're, we're also reviewing other improvements other than pavement markings at, at intersections. So that could be other built improvements and where to put in raised crossings or uh, RFBs, uh, other other treatments, um, and uh, we we have thought about that too about the 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 prioritization. I think that's a, another step that we need to. That's something that we need to consider how we prioritize uh, the improvements uh, as well and how we fund them. Um, so we've we've thought about that um, a little, and I think. Um, that's something we can talk a little bit with Alta on what what maybe they've done previously in other communities and strategies for trying to trying to on you know in, on the implementation side. Um, so there may be some costs for design of whatever plans we put together for implementation as well. But um, I think that we can we can I, I don't I don't want to tie us down to a to a timeline or schedule, but I would say within the next uh, three to six months, have the policy complete so that we can put together project list and in the latter <coughs> half of this year. 
Mr. Commissioner Bryan, I think if this can lead us to the point where we have crossing improvements um, identified and estimates put in place, similar to what we've done with the PED projects and the bike projects, that would be a huge step forward. And then we'd have to discuss, you know, how do we balance the funds that have been allocated uh, by the city commission? How do we balance that across intersection safety and bike and pet improvements? I think intersection safety to me is a, it's probably one of the more, um, I mean, when it comes to funding, it's the thing that really would matter, but that's a future discussion for our whole commission, I suppose. But if this could help us with that, I think that would be a great, um, great work to be done. Thank you, Mayor Gundam, TC. Um, Pat and Dave, quick question. It's 6.04. I realize we don't have much on the main agenda, but would it be acceptable to extend this a little bit until we're kind of done? Um, or do we have to cap it? That was going to be my suggestion is that that we agree um, to extend it at least till 615 so that we can kind of finalize the comments and and kind of determine next steps um, and then and then start the regular meeting at 630. Is that acceptable to everyone? We'll go, go ahead then. Um, yep. Other uh, comments? Nick, did you have another Thanks. comment? Thank you, Mayak. I'm MTC. I had a couple of, I wanted to, to go over how we've kind of reached the, uh, reached the end game here. So I would like to kind of respond to Mr. Allman's comments about green pavement markings. As I understand it, it's not so much that Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, it's not so much that you don't want green pavement for SUP crossings because they're not bikeways. It's more that we would be going against the grain of MUTCD, which though that prohibition isn't currently explicit, is very likely to be explicit in the coming years. Is that correct? Dave Cronin, the engineer. I don't I can't say it's gonna be explicit or not, but it's not it's not a treatment that's used. It's not a, a first year use pass. I understand. I feel like at least for me, I'm kind of rationalizing this similar to in my line of work, how we deal with nutrient regulations. It always seems like they're going to be right around the corner. And even though they may not be coming this year, they may come, you know, in two or three years. And that's very likely the direction that, you know, treatment plants will have to go, right? So it sounds like that that the sort of tide is turning against where green pavement can be and where it, it should not be. And at this point, I would say I, I do support following what MUTCD is suggesting and probably going towards, even if they're not explicitly there yet. So I just want to make sure that was clear that that's not some, you know, it's not necessarily ideological. It's more just kind of reading the writing on the wall. So um, I also wanted to piggyback up what Charlie said about expanded scope. And this is probably in the weeds, but um, since we're here and it's a study session and we're discussing stuff, may as well jump into it. So, um, since this is an on-call project anyway, I guess, could we have a broader discussion, um, including MMTC, of what we want to accomplish here? Because I like where we are. I, I mean, the four scope items are really good. I wonder, could we do more? Could we expand the scope to consider maybe long-term maintenance, um, actually writing the policy, stuff like that? I mean, the, there, since there wasn't necessarily an RFP, that means that there's not really a scope that has to be stuck with, right? 
Dave Cronin's engineer. I um, I don't know exactly what you're asking. Um, we present we presented a scope of work, and so I don't know if there's something that you think that's not in there that you're thinking about. Uh, let me know. Yeah. So the specific thing I was trying to make clear, and I don't think I've done a good job of that, is what to do about the future of stuff. So I think it, at this point, Alta's scope says, let me bring it up real quick. Um, so we're going to have a formal draft recommended policy and design guideline report. So I guess it'd be good to kind of discuss, you know, exactly what we expect to see out of that. Um, we have, you know, recommendations on where green pavement markings should go based on current laws, guidelines, and standards. But I think we were discussing earlier, you know, um, how to fund this stuff in the future and make sure that it doesn't de de uh, degrade like all the other pavement markings that have. So it seems like there may be some room for adding additional items to kind of round out the discussion of just highlighting the crossings of multimodal paths and roadways. So um, I don't know if that's really necessary exactly, but it seems like there might be some room for addition. And I guess the reason I bring it up is that the other three scope items, um, they don't seem to be directly related to the CIP. The CIP project from where the budget is coming from to fund the study. And I don't know if that's necessarily wrong or right, but it it, it just doesn't seem like it's uh, necessarily in the spirit of what that project was intending. I'm not saying that the scope items are bad and I'm really glad to see them. I just wonder if it's appropriate to fund them based on budget that was meant for something else. And I guess the reason I asked that is that even though Alta is composed of SMEs who have done great work for us in the past, Coming up with these uh, additional scope items that were, let me see if I can get it right here. The controlled and uncontrolled intersections and also bike lanes during street maintenance projects. These seem like things that staff MMTC and MPO have actually taken care of in the past in-house. Things like non-motorized um, non project prioritization plan, safe routes to school prioritization, sidewalk repair prioritization, um, some e, uh, Sorry, the shared micromobility policy. We've done a, a decent amount of this stuff in-house, thanks to your guys' hard work to get it done. And it seems like since it, you know this does depend on local conditions, that it it could be appropriate to you know kind of redirect that effort in-house. Now I understand there is the concern of your of your department's actual bandwidth and ability to do it given staff resources. So I guess I'd be curious to see where you stand, Dave, on if if that would be possible. And, and I'm kind of assuming that's not, and that's why it's in their scope, but I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Dave Cronus, the engineer, I think to move this forward, um, I, my recommendation is to use a consultant to help, to help us that has the experience and the expertise and, um, and quite frankly, the, the time to, to do it. I don't know uh, if we, I have have the capacity to, to do it and deliver it in a quick manner. Okay, thanks for the explanation. That's kind of what I figured. I just wanted to make sure. Um, I mean, am I correct that this is stuff that technically we could do in-house given the bandwidth? Though? This is Dave Cronin, the engineer. Yeah, we could certainly develop a lot of things, uh, policies and procedures in-house. Um, I think we do want to, we can do plans in house as well, but we do want to try to use 
yeah. consultants to help to help out uh, supplement our work as we got a lot of workload in delivering projects. And so, you know, uh, for this and given Alta's experience in this area, I think it, that was my recommendation to engage them to, to help us. And so that it is someone from the outside and not just myself as well. So I think it's also good to get feedback from external uh, consultants. Um, so Understood. There, there will be some staff work as well. We will be right. involved in this. And when it comes down to the whole, the maintenance and maintaining and the, the, the need, there will be certainly be some staff time and involvement. So it is not like we're giving it all to them. This will be a, uh, there'll be some, a lot of work here. Could you maybe explain the next uh, steps in this? I think I understand what the next steps are for scope item 2.1, but for the other three, are we going to be seeing that in a, in upcoming study sessions or general agenda items or what's the plan there? Yeah, Dave Cronus, engineer, I think we anticipate bringing back a draft of uh, the recommendations uh, to the MMTC. Um, I don't, I don't have a timeline on it. Uh, we got to get, get this finalized and, and get a contract to move forward. But I would anticipate bringing back a draft to the MMTC. Um, I don't know if it'll be study session or regular agenda right now, but at, at some point before we finalize anything, we would bring it back. Okay. So Thanks. I think that's, that, that is in the scope. Sounds good. This is Commissioner Collette. Uh, as far as the scope goes, there were a couple of, I mean, these are maybe fairly minor, but you know, just in terms of getting getting the scope finalized on your end, I wanted to just have the opportunity to make a couple of comments on that. One was uh, in 2.1, it says the city will be allowed to provide one response of consolidated comments. That's kind of uh, in the second paragraph. And, you know, I just looking at a draft report and then and then sending, you know, recommendations back, you know, it seems like, you know, having another opportunity to look at it one more time before um, before the final project is made or is is developed on that on that particular task that, you know, that would be beneficial because you don't know, you know, one you're giving some comments, but not knowing what that that next iteration looks like unless there's, you know, something in the in the final report option, but it seems like really that's that's to be done in the draft report. So I guess I would just recommend having a chance for responding to it twice. But uh, and then there's just a couple of places, um, particularly in 2.4 about where it references pedestrian um, crossings, pedestrian accommodations, and I would just like to for those to see to you know to recognize um, pedestrians and bicycles from bicyclists. Yeah, I think that was the intent, but you know, to, to have that have that included in the language. We'll we'll look at that. This is Commissioner O'Brien. <clears throat> Before we finish, there's just one other thing uh, occurred to me while I was listening to Nick. Um, this kind of gets to the question of what's the scope. As we do this work, one thing that I think we always struggle with is how do we know we're making progress? And other than 
getting through a project list, you know, funding projects to identify as important. I'm wondering if there's any other uh, performance measures that would be useful in regard to uh, intersection safety. And if, um, if there's any information the consultant might be able to provide in the report that would help us with kind of furthering our goals to uh, measure and track progress on such an important thing to all of us in our community. And this is Commissioner Clad. I think going back to that um, discussion early on in terms of the other green pavement uh, projects in other cities and no data. So, I, and that is, you know, that has been a priority for us to look at performance measures and integrated with the strategic plan. And I agree with you, Charlie, that, you know, having that built in and, and um, having recommendations on how to, um, how to measure the in, improvement in safety. Okay, any other last comments before we adjourn? Sorry. Sorry, this is Commissioner Baltuska. Uh, sorry, my, I can't get my video to uh, cooperate with me. I just wanted to ask, um, I know that, you know, we, we went back and forth on, you know, green pavement markings. We, we understand that those aren't going to be the recommendations for shared use paths, um, but I was just curious if, would, would there be a recommendation for any sort of like white paint or, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be green paint and that's fine. Um, I'm just curious if we envision any of those improvement recommendations having any paint at all or, or the recommendation is going to be, you know, other, other measures like signage or, you know, I'm just curious if any, any paint at all is going to be, end up being one of the recommendations. Yeah, and I can answer that as Tobin and Alta. Um, worked, we, we cover a lot of different things in, in the scope, and I think that it depends on what which um, application you're talking about, but I think we're going to have kind of a, a hierarchy. If we're talking about um, uncontrolled mid-block crossings, for instance, we'll have kind of a hierarchy of improvements that could be made based on the conditions that are there. Um, with with one of the first and foremost of those probably being uh, white pavement markings. And I think what, what we can do with policy is provide um, a standardization of what those those white pavement markings should look like across the city. Um, so. Gotcha, okay, thank you. Thank you, Mac. I'm in TC. Damon, sorry for cutting you off earlier. I just wanted to jump in with one final comment and say I really appreciate, Dave, you uh, kind of taking the initiative here to make this work and uh, and find a solution to, you know, improve crossing safety, at least in some way, whether or not that be green markings or not. So, you know, I, I don't want the, all the, you know, slings and arrows for me to be misconstrued as not appreciative of the effort. I, I think even if we don't, you know, fully agree on how we got to this point, I think it's going to be, you know, definitely an improvement as a result. So glad to see it and excited to see where this goes.
All right, thank you. Um, okay, it's um, 6.20, so let's adjourn and uh, reconvene at um, 6.30. If that, does that give everyone enough time to we come back at 6.30? Okay, great. We'll see you then. I'll reconvene the commission. Everybody have a chance to get back to their chairs. This is Dave Crones, the engineer. I, would, I wanted to mention one thing while everyone's kind of getting back here online. We are having some issues with the live stream on YouTube. So the meeting is still being recorded and it's being broadcast on channel 25, but the the YouTube live stream, we're having some technical difficulties. So the meeting is still being recorded. It will be posted to YouTube uh, following the meeting, um, but did, did want to mention that. Thank you. And we're ready here on our end if okay. you're ready. And yeah. we'll, uh, Christina, we can start with a roll call. Okay. Start with roll. Nick Kuzmiak. Here. Damon Balteska. Here. Aaron Payton. Here. Pat Collette. Here. Charlie Bryan. Here. And Gregory Critchlow. Okay, thank you. Okay, I'd like to, this is Commissioner Collette. I'd like to call the um, January 3rd meeting of the Multimodal Transportation Commission uh, to order. And um, to uh, start off with um, approving the December 6th um, meeting minutes. Any comments or changes? This is Commissioner Bryan. I move to accept the December minutes. Okay, thank you. Brian moves. Is there a second? Kuzmiak MMTC, a second. Okay, all in favor. Uh, Christina, you want to call the, call the uh, vote? Um, okay. Nick Kuzmiak? Aye. Damon Baltuska? Aye. Aaron Payton? Yes. Pat Collette? Yes. Charlie Bryan? Yes. And Gregory Critchell is absent. Motion carries. Thank you. Uh, next item on the agenda is public comment. Um, I don't see anyone online, but is there is there public comment? Uh, yes, Chris Flowers. Hi, um, this is Chris Flowers, and I'm just um, wanted. I, what I want to talk about are the speed bumps on um, at 23rd and Massachusetts. It's go the two that go that if, if you're going to Haskell University, you come across them. Um, basically, well. One problem I have with them is the safety that um, the speed bumps are slowing down um, 
response emergency response times but i know um like the fire trucks i think they come through over off of barker but today i thought well i would i was just curious like how what kind of um like how how many emergency calls are coming from Haskell? So on Twitter, I looked up our community police scanner and like the word Haskell, and I found four emergency calls, but they're and I was just thinking that the dorms. But what's on um, Massachusetts is the Haskell Health Center, and I I saw that there was four in the past year coming from there, and one of them was a cardiac arrest um, code blue CPR in progress. So I was just thinking, um, should we be having speed bumps on streets that are just right? I mean, it's like the same block up about maybe a couple blocks down, but from the Haskell Health Center where people are probably going to be having emergency, you know, medical emergencies throughout the year. I think um, those speed bumps, I think they're going to potentially uh, kill more people than they're going to save. And also the other problem I have with it, I was just curious um, when they were originally built, was any kind of outreach done to towards Haskell to the students living in Blaylock and Row Cloud? Um, I think there's another dorm over there. I mean, they have to go over those speed bumps if they're leaving their dorms. And I don't think it's really, I don't think it's a good issue of equity if if the, the students living at Haskell who have to go over those speed bumps, if they weren't included in the discussion when they were originally built. And I, I say this because I've worked with some Haskell students and none of them have liked those speed bumps. And so just in closing, I think, I think they're gonna do more damage, especially because that Haskell Health Center is on that same street. And also, um, when it comes to getting there, they might take um, Barker, but if someone has to be transported to the hospital, are they going the direction from Barker or are they going up Mass to transport someone to the to the hospital from the health center? So I was I would just like y'all to think about that. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Any other public comment? Let's see anyone online, and I assume Dave, there's no one, no one there. Yeah, Dave Crones, the engineer. No one is present here. Okay, thank you. We'll move on to the next um, to the next item on the agenda, and that's to receive nominations and elect chair and vice chair for 2022, and. Um, to start off with, I would like to open nominations for 2022 transportation um, chair to the commission members. Um, this is Commissioner uh, Brian. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I nominate Nick Kuzmiak for the position of chair. Okay, and um, each, each person who's nominated can accept or decline the nomination. So Nick, uh, are you accepting? Kuzmec MMTC, I accept. Okay, thank you. Um, any other uh, nominations? Okay, no other nominations. Nominations for chair are closed. Um, all in favor for for uh, 
Commissioner Kuzmiak as 2022 Transportation Commission Chair um, uh, say I will will take a roll call here. Either I or no. <coughs> Christina, can you do that roll Vic call? Kuzmiak? Aye. Raymond Baltuska? Aye. Aaron Payton. Aye. Pat Collette. Aye. Aye, aye. And Charlie Bryan. Aye. Motion carries. All right. Um, great. Well, thank you, Nick, for stepping up, and um, I know your leadership will be great for the for the coming year. Appreciate that. All right. Um, now the uh, next, um, so I need to, let's see. Okay, I need, I'm handing over the chair duties to you, Nick. Uh, so now you can uh, follow that same process for vice chair election. Because Mac MMTC, yeah, that, that is a pretty jarring transition, but. I know, I, know. I remember that from last year. <laughs> That's what we signed up for, all right. Sounds good. Well, in that case, um, at this point, I would like to open nominations for the vice chair of the Multimodal Transportation Commission for the year 2022. Do I have any nominations? This is Commissioner Bryan. I nominate Damon Baltuska for the position of vice chair. Commissioner Baltuska, do you accept the nomination? Uh, yeah, I'll accept that nomination. Thank you. Do we have any other nominations for vice chair from the commission? Okay, hearing none. Um, see if I remember from 20 seconds ago. Do we need a motion? Um, I guess all in favor. Uh, Christina, can you please call roll call to nominate or to elect? Commissioner. One more time. Who who nominated? Charlie Brian. Charlie. Okay. Just making sure. Yeah. Okay. The only thing you need to say is, in addition, is nominations for the yeah. uh, for the for the uh, co-chairs are closed. Thanks. This formality. Hereby <laughs> close nominations for the co-chair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I guess for vice chair. Vice chair. Yeah. yeah. That's what we're calling it. Okay. In that case, uh, I think now we're good. Christina, can you please call the roll? Um, Nick Kuzmiak. Hi. Damon Baltuska? Aye. Aaron Payton? Aye. Pat Collette? Aye. And Charlie Bryan? Aye. Motion carries. Okay. Thank you. Nick Kuzmiak, Chair of MMTC. In that case, our, our next agenda item is staff items. Dave. What do you got for us? Yep, Dave Cronin, the engineer. Um, I do not have any staff items. Uh, nothing on the agenda. I would, I would say we are working uh, to uh, get the retreat uh, planned. We had a we had a meeting uh, right before Christmas, um, a kickoff meeting, and so we'll we're I think we sent out a survey to get to try to identify a date. We don't have all the responses back yet, but we are, we're, we're working on that. And so we'll uh, follow up with, with the board uh, on that and uh, move forward. 
That's all I have. Thanks. Excuse me, I'm MTC chair. Thanks for that quick update. Um, I regret that I couldn't make it to the actual retreat planning meeting last week or maybe two weeks ago. Jeez. But it sounds like there may be another one to hammer out details, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, all right, well, that's it for staff items. Next on the agenda is commission items. Looks like we have our PTAC update boilerplate in here. Uh, Commissioner Critchlow is not present, and I'm not actually on PTEC anymore, but I'll do my best to update because I was at the meeting at least. So for the last meeting of the year, we had the same um, strategic plan discussion from Craig Owens as we did here as well. And let's see, we appointed somebody to the T2050 or Transportation 2050 Steering Committee. Um, what I thought was the most interesting was that um, Adam Weigel, the Transit and Parking Administrator, put together a kind of a list of accomplishments that PTAC did over the course of 2021. So that included um, items that we decided on, committees people served on either internally to the committee or externally as kind of a mixed group, and also um, what kind of big discussions were brought up over the course of the year. Oh, that was pretty cool. I don't know if, um, if that was just Adam's idea and he decided to put it together for 2021. Maybe he had a lot of free time on his hands. I highly doubt that. But I think it's a, it's a really good, um, you know, potential year-end kind of roundup document that would be that would be kind of helpful for some committees. Now, recognizing that staff has limited bandwidth, I'm not going to come out and say that. You know, I think every committee needs to have this, but I would encourage you to go through the. Um, I'm just going to post the link in the chat right here, actually, if anybody wants to read it. So, here is the list of accomplishments that I thought was really nice to go over because. I, I often struggle to remember even what exactly happened two or three meetings ago. So to cap it for the entire year was particularly helpful, especially for planning next year, because I don't know if PTAC still has retreats or not. I don't believe they do. Um, any thoughts from the commission on that? Yeah, Nick, Commissioner uh, Collette, um, we did have that, uh, the whole list of accomplishments at the retreat uh, last year. And that's on the tentative agenda for this year. And I know that that um, staff put together, you know, quite a few of those items. And then I can't remember if if others, you know, contributed to it. But I think that's probably the, you know, as part of the subcommittee to to help, you know, add those items in. And and uh, so. I think that that was the intent, and there was a. <laughs> I remember there's a good long list for, from from last year in the retreat. So is that your your, your recollection, Dave? Yeah. Yes, Dave Cronin's engineer. Yeah. Last when we put together the agenda for the retreat last year, yeah, we talked a lot about accomplishments and then goal setting. So yeah, we kind of in our kickoff meeting for the retreat here for this this round, we kind of talked about doing same the same thing. So this is Commissioner Brian. <clears throat> Nick, I thanks thanks for bringing this up. I really um, I had seen seen that update about PTAC accomplishments, and I appreciated it. One thing I would throw out there that might have been also helpful is to see kind of a list of accomplishments from transit more broadly, because there's a lot of great progress that was made this last year in transit, and I think. Um, while this, you know, document maybe was focused on the accomplishments of the committee, uh, you know, that was 
their contributions were made in the context of other changes that transit made. And I think it would have been nice to see that maybe juxtaposed, you know, here's what the committee did. Here's what staff was able to do. And, you know, from the community's perspective, they just, they probably saw it differently. So just thinking about how do you speak about accomplishments um, from the perspective of the community it, while also acknowledging the unique or specific contributions that the committee made. Um, I think if we were to do something similar for multimodal, there would be a lot of things we might want to point to that we would see as progress that were primarily driven by staff, but I think would be helpful for the community to see um, the importance of um, transportation planning and the work that, you know, we're part of. So <clears throat> just, I always appreciate having more context, I suppose. Uh, so that would be my um, kind of enhancement uh, to suggest for if we're going to do something similar. Any other comments from the commission? That gives me like MMTC chair. In that case, I'd like to kind of follow up on those. Pat and Dave, thank you for reminding me. I had completely forgotten that that was a part of the retreat last year. Uh, I, I guess the year is a long time all of a sudden. So yeah, uh, you, you are correct. That does sound very familiar that we did do an accomplishment list. Um, but Charlie, what you were saying about kind of getting the broader context of what did MSO do? What did transit do? Um, because oftentimes that there are things that we're not involved with, but still benefit the community. So I think it'd be helpful to uh, kind of to toot that horn. And also um, that's the kind of thing that I feel like would be really useful to bring to an organization like uh, land, for example, or even, I mean, I'm sure you guys probably have some communications to the city, city commission and city manager to say like, you know, here's the justification for this group, but also here's why, you know, the staff was also really important in kind of moving the city forward this year. So um, I don't know if, if there's any further discussion on that, but I think it might be something good to discuss during the retreat, perhaps, on how we could improve this and make it more useful for everybody. Okay, um, moving on to the next preset commission item, we have the Transit Route Redesign Committee update. Commissioner Bryan, what do you have for us? Uh, so the committee did not uh, meet uh, last month, so no new updates. Okay, thanks. Um, I'll give a quick thing on the pedestrian plan update. Um, we are scheduled to meet on January 20th to go over, I believe, the, the draft pedestrian plan update and provide comments, have a discussion. There may be a follow-up meeting the week after that, but it's not set in stone just yet. So um, unfortunately, I won't be there at the meeting, so the, the vice chair is going to host it, but I will do my best to participate in the background and continue to provide feedback, although Commissioner Critchlow is also on on the on the um, steering committee. So I have faith that he'll be able to provide some useful comments as well. Next one is board review and performance measure committee update. Who has a update on that one? So this is Commissioner Collette, I'll provide an update um, at the at the retreat. Well, with our, you know, with our um, presentation study session last month with with the uh, city manager and the uh, discussion of the strategic 
plan, the city's strategic plan, and that was this effort with the performance measures and um, um, committee. We had we had kind of put that, you know, shelved that item until we could see what the strategic plan looked like and where the um, where the performance measures were embedded in that strategic plan. Um, so what we talked about at the at the at the kickoff meeting for the retreat was was looking at that again within um, you know within the within um, MMTC and discussing performance measures KPIs you know both with MPO and um, and uh, city manager's office. So uh, there's the committee has not met, uh, but the intent I think was that we would. We were just delaying the action from that committee, and that we would like to, um, you know, that would be something that gets worked on in 2022, starting with the retreat. It gives me a MMTC chair. That, that sounds kind of similar to what we did at the retreat in 2021 as well. Was to, you know, define how we can uh, set our, our goals such that they align with the strategic plan. So I think it's it's good to make that to start to make that sort of an annual. Um, you know, item to make sure that we're staying up to date, both with our own goals and the strategic plan. Okay. Um, any other commission items? Okay. If not, I just wanted to um, quickly address the public comment from earlier from Mr. Flowers and note that um, with regard to the concern of emergency vehicles and first responders having issues with speed bumps, um, what Dave kind of explained to me last time on the Walker Drive thing was that there are pretty specific standards, um, engineering design standards with exactly how speed bumps and other traffic calming devices need to be structured and the geometry of them and the placement and their appropriateness of use such that emergency responders don't have to, you know, be delayed too much by their implementation. Dave, is that correct? Yeah, Dave Cronin, city engineer. Uh, that is correct, and we consult with uh, emergency services, fire and police uh, on traffic calming that's permanently installed. So, okay, that's kind of what I thought. I just wanted to make sure to set the record straight um, and kind of close that discussion item to make sure that we're all on the same page. So, thanks for the explanation. Next up is item G, the MMTC calendar for 2022. So, I've I've not been super involved in making this stuff yet, but since everything from February to December of next year is wide open, this will, this agenda item will get a lot more interesting in the coming months. So Dave, is there anything of note and Pat on your side, is there anything that we need to look at for now? This is Dave Cronsey engineer. I don't have anything. I haven't plugged anything in for February. Um, typically we, we have the retreat and start planning the year out. And if we don't have anything for February, we may end up uh, cancel on that meeting, um, but we'll we'll get together uh, with the chair and the vice chair before we just make that decision. Sounds good. Yeah, Any other I, I think uh, this is Commissioner Collette. I think again at the at the uh, kickoff meeting we talked about you know brainstorming ideas for study sessions and other other topics for the year, so that that would be. Uh, that would kick it off partially, but then of course there are other things that come up along the way. So, 
it's going to be a full agenda for that retreat, I think. Yeah, um, I am certainly hoping that we can have a full day like we've had in, in years past. Um, I would know more if I'd actually attended that session, unfortunately. <laughs> anyway, um, all right. Well, if there's no more for, for the calendar, any final comments by commissioners before we adjourn? Well, this is Commissioner Brian. Just in light of that comment about the full agenda and the comment also about canceling February's meeting, maybe it, it just consider the possibility of using the February meeting for something that helps us prepare ourselves for the retreat rather than cancel it. I don't know if that would help at all. It just might. Um, I think as the retreat planning committee meets next time, we can certainly take that into account. It also could help if we had some appointments, maybe they would be appointed by them. So could introduce them to our committee before the retreat. Fingers crossed, we'll get some appointments by them. Yeah, right. This Commissioner Collette, I think that was the other thing that we talked about was, um, you know, and I think we did this at last year's retreat or the pre-work questions for people to, you know, to work on before the retreat. And there might be some iteration of that, that, you know, in a study session could help either develop those pre-work questions or work through them in some way. And, and I don't know what that would look like exactly, but having, having that time as a group uh, to make our retreat as productive as possible, that might be, that might be useful. I agree. Um, any final comments from staff? Nope. Okay. Well, in that case, I would, um, sorry, it's been a while. Do we motion to adjourn or do we just all do thumbs up? Yes, um, someone could motion to adjourn and hand raising is acceptable for the vote. Okay, thank you for the clarification. In that case, I will accept a motion to adjourn our January meeting. This is Commissioner Bryan. I move to adjourn our meeting. All in favor? Oh, sorry, we, wait, do we need a second? <laughs> yeah, please. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it would be sorry. great if someone could second that and then. And this is Commissioner Glenn, I second it. That's a lot of second good seconds. <laughs> okay. In that case, um, all in favor, please raise your hand. All right. Thank you, everybody. And I look forward to a productive 2022. Have a good evening. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks.